welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I am excited to bring back to Emotion Well my colleague, Steve Arneson. Steve, welcome back. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me. So if you have been listening to our podcast, you may remember Steve. He was on uh, an episode last fall, the fall of 2020, talking about our student assistance program. And I just really enjoyed our conversation then, Steve, and I, I thought it would be fun to bring you back for another episode. So I really appreciate your time today. Uh, June, of course, is a month where school is mostly out of session, kind of depending, in Iowa at least, most schools dismiss in the early part of June. And it's also a month where uh, fathers are honored on Father's Day. And so as I was thinking about a topic for this particular episode, I thought, well, it would be really neat to talk to someone who is a father, uh, but also someone who has experience working with children and understanding you know, the complexities of how those little minds work. And so, Steve, you have kind of that <laughs> the perfect combination. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself as a father, and then we'll kind of segue into your role as a student counselor. Sure. Um, well, my oldest of three daughters is 31 now. So I've got uh, three decades of fatherhood. and And as you said, I think my my whole career has been just observing fathers and mothers and just mm-hmm. relationships in general you know for a decade beyond that so i hope to glean and share some <laughs> of those observations i've seen from from other fathers and maybe mistakes i've made on my own too. yeah and i should also mention that you coached for how many years i coached oh my gosh probably longer than those 31 i was i was coaching probably close to 40 years. Okay, so you've definitely seen a lot of people evolve right. from, you know, children to adolescence into adulthood. Right. And in, and interestingly enough, a lot of my early coaching before having three daughters was coaching boys. Interesting. So my first kind of chance to be aware of parenting, so to speak, has been with boys. Yeah. So tell us about uh, when a f- you know, back when Kobe Bryant passed away, the whole girl dad uh, concept started trending. And you're a girl dad. You said you have three daughters. So what was it like raising three daughters? And they're relatively close in age. They are. Um, it's a fun fraternity because just I, I think other dads will appreciate this and moms, too, is when you when your girls get involved in activities, you tend to gravitate toward and be around all these other dads who have daughters, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a, it's a special calling. It's one that, um, that I've fumbled through, I'm sure. But, but, um, just like moms that have sons, you know, they have their own sorority of Uh getting together and watch their boys do things. So I think it's a common bond and I really appreciated being around other fathers, watching our daughters do activities, um, just trying to help them understand appropriate and, and supportive relationships with a male role model. And and um, that's kind of what I've observed, being a, a girl dad. 
Yeah. Did you ever end up coaching your daughters? I did, and that is probably one of the greatest blessings. I didn't, <clears throat> after, after having three daughters, I had the opportunity to switch from coaching boys to coaching girls because there, there was an opening on the girls' track staff. So I, I jumped to that, and so I'd be on the same coaching staff so I was around them. I never really directly had them in my event group. Okay. But, you know, behind the scenes, always giving advice and supporting. In fact, one of the coolest experiences um, we got to share together was my youngest daughter was a really, really good high jumper. And her high jump coach had been one of my athletes oh. be- prior to that. So it was fun to so you watch. you coached her coach. I had coached her coach. And it was really a cool relationship yeah. because I got to watch them as athlete coach mm-hmm. and kind of be on the sidelines, mm-hmm. but yet had this great relationship with this my coaching colleague who might pick my brain about things, but I always let him be the one who was you know, communicating. Yeah. Was it hard to kind of, when you were... You said you never directly coached the events that your girls participated in, but you were still on the coaching staff. So did you kind of have to like take off that dad hat for, for practice and for yep. meets and put on your coach hat? And just did it feel like you were switching in between the two? I, I think that's a good question. I think I would – I think during competition it was more dad. Okay. Because I didn't have to be, you know, going through race strategy and, um, you know, the the technicalities of what's about. I let mm-hmm. their event coach do that, and I could just I got the luxury of being on, on track. You there's no bench. You're out. You can be on yeah. the infield or you can be moving around. So I got to be, you know, track side cheering them on. I got to be the dad part. Very cool. So now that your daughters are all adults and you've had experience experience parenting children as you know as they grew up and now you're parenting adult children, kind of what what is the difference? As the mother of a four year old daughter, I often think about that. You know, I'm always going to be her mom, and so parenting changes as the. Uh, stage and development of the child changes and so I'm just curious to hear from you as the parent of adult children kind of what does that look like oh, that now? evolves yeah, yeah it's my experience has been it is really there's a tag off when your children grow up and find a life partner okay and that's kind of a relief, you know, somebody who will be that emotional support, mm-hmm. that listener. And then that allows, this, at least this has been my experience, then that allows for you to really become good friends okay. with, your, with your children. And that's what I've really appreciated um, as my own daughters have grown older is just appreciate them as friends mm-hmm. and watching them in their careers, watching them in their you know, the recreational activities. Um, and there's always that component of advice, you know. Like you feel compelled to give them advice? No, compelled or? to, I'm glad you asked that question, not to give, but to provide if asked. Okay, I think that's, that's a really, that's good. <laughs> that's a really important piece of the equation because they've got their, you know, if they've got their life partner, that's their, that's their go-to. Yeah. And then, 
it's just I think it's good that you recognize that because I think that is a hard transition for parents of adult children you know understanding and recognizing that their child now has someone else very important in their lives and you may not be the first person they turn to with a question or seeking advice or to bounce ideas off of and so I, th- I think that's great. And as again, as a mother of a small child who I am, you know, the person, like she goes to her mom and she goes to her dad when she needs something. But someday, right. you know, you can only hope, right, that they have someone else in their life that they form that relationship yeah. with. And I, and I would even extend that into when the kids are younger, too. I think it's incumbent upon us as parents to, to look for other other role models that will be in their lives. You mm-hmm. know, we talked about coaches, but maybe church leaders or maybe um, neighbors or aunts and uncles yeah. that that can kind of provide this piece of different pieces of the puzzles that support your kids because um, it's a lot to take on when you're trying to do it all yourself as a parent. Yeah, I was listening to a different podcast recently and it was – about parenting and the mother uh, who was being interviewed had teenage children and she said something that kind of made me stop in my track. She said, when my kids were younger, I knew all the answers. I was a person they came to with all the questions mm-hmm. and I mostly had all the answers. And now I have none of the answers. First of all, you know, as teenagers, they're not coming to me with the questions, but also I don't always have the answers. And so the best thing I can do is ask them questions. And so kind of putting that school counselor hat on when kids start kind of shying away from their parents as you know kind of their confidants and and the the trusted person that they would go to for those big questions and they might gravitate towards their friends because that's a natural progression of things what advice would you have for mothers and fathers when they kind of notice that transition when when their kids are leaning less on them but they're they're still quite dependent on their parents mm-hmm. um, and relying more on the friends. That's such a delicate balance because as parents, we're, we can't help but kind of wish for them to gravitate towards certain friends. Right. <laughs> and, and kind of try to orchestrate that. And that's, that is, and once again, this is not from my experience. This is just from observing parents who've really navigated this. I think it's important to um, gently reinforce those positive relationships. You know, I really, I really noticed that this is a, you know, so-and-so is a great friend mm-hmm. and that's great. Would you like to have her or him come on over or spend the night or whatever? And, and then, um, do more of that reinforcing who you think might be kind of those positive. And then when the negatives come along, you just have to, uh, Gosh, you still want to keep voicing your opinion, but but the more you try to steer them away from somebody, it's just going to backfire and right. they're going to rebel. And right. So focus more on the relationships that they have that you see as positive relationships, positive influences, and comment more on those. That would be my experience. I've you know you mentioned the school counseling role and. And inevitably, when a parent has said, I've told my daughter she cannot hang out with so-and-so, and and you need to enforce this at school, or I don't want my son sitting by so-and-so at lunch, and it's like, 
that just it just backfires. It just yeah. makes things worse. You um, you have to trust the the foundation that you've built on decision making, and and when you get to a point where um, you wish you would have done something different, you just push the reset. Push the reset. I wish. I wish I would have done this a couple years ago, but here we are now, and let's – I'm kind of being vague about that, but it, but I think that's an important part of parenting too, and that's kind of been my own experience with just – I wish I would have, but it's never too late to start over yeah. and improve. I always try to remember, like, I am doing the best I can do under these circumstances, and whatever those circumstances are, I'm having a bad day, she's having a bad day, it's not though it's raining for a week and we can't go outside exactly. to play. You know, I am doing the best I can under these particular circumstances. Uh, one thing my mom did when I was growing up, and it's funny because at the time I kind of viewed it as, oh, my mom's just, you know, she's being mean. But mm-hmm. now, as an adult and then as a mother, I can understand kind of what she was doing. So if if there were people that I w- was friends with that she didn't exactly approve of she would kind of put parameters around well you know you can hang out with that person at school or after school they can come to our house um but we're not going to do overnights with that particular friend or person and looking back i thought you know that wasn't a a terrible approach because it still gave me the opportunity to have that relationship because sometimes you have to figure those relationships out on your own Um, but she also put good I, i would say boundaries around you know these are kind of the limitations with which you can right. be with that person and looking back she was doing it for my safety yep. you know and my well-being and and so yeah I think again I'm very early in the stages of parenting compared to someone like you but now that you have daughters with children you're a recent mm-hmm. grandfather so yep. congratulations on that thanks you probably kind of see the same thing like no one really knows what they're doing you know <laughs> you Amen. just yeah yeah. You just kind of take it one step at a time, right. one day at a time. Um, how? So you mentioned that you coached boys and you were coaching before you had children. So I'm just curious to know how, um, what did you learn from being a coach that helped you as a parent? Hmm. I think, I think I learned the value of expectations that are within the control of my athletes Um, and by that I mean expectations of best effort best behavior um, being on time handling adversity versus expectations of first place, blue ribbon, certain score, um, kind of process over product. I think I learned that partly from coaching um, and observing how my my boy athletes responded to their own dads and moms. And that kind of paved the way for me when it was my turn to be a a dad Mm -hmm. and understand, you know, we're going to be really proud of you no matter what. But we'll be happy when, when the result is what you want, and we'll be sad with you when the result is, yeah. is not what you want. And I, I learned long ago, and I've, it's kind of 
stuck with me forever is to be sure to say I'm proud of you during times of failure and okay. disappointment yeah. and struggle because we're, we naturally save that for the big victories. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful um, that that's not only in winning situations. Because you're proud of them no matter what. Exactly. And you're right. A lot of times it's just not vocalized. Right. And we don't mean anything wrong by it. We just say that. But um, it's just a natural thing. So I, I learned long ago that and that came from my coaching and I tried to weave it into my parenting too mm-hmm. is my pride level is going to be right here regardless of where you're at. Um, what the result is, well, what will go up and down is the emotional roller coaster yeah. that you're on. I'll join you when you're happy. I'll join you when you're sad. But yeah. I'm still going to be proud. Do you think, and you probably can't answer this just because you you parented three girls, but you have observed people parent boys and girls yeah. for your entire career. People talk differently to boys and girls, yeah. don't you think? I think so. I One thing, so my daughter, who is four, she, from an early age, I just, I wanted to make sure that her appearance, so the clothes she wore and how cute she was because I of course I think she's the cutest little mm-hmm. girl uh, I didn't want that to be the first thing she heard when yes. when you know she walked into a room and I've observed other young women in my life who that's kind of everyone's go-to compliment oh look at your dress you look so pretty mm-hmm. today and there was an article and I <clears throat> can't think of what it's called off at of the top of my head but I read it years ago before I was a mother and it was basically talking about we need to talk to girls differently. Uh, You know, a lot of times when we approach little boys, we say, oh, you're so smart and so strong, and little girls are so pretty and their hair is so nice. And so uh, I've been telling my daughter since she was about two years old that she's brave and she's smart and she's Mm -hmm. funny and she's beautiful. And I always like to, you know, show her that, you know, you're brave. I like to point that out to her, kind of like you said, pointing out, um, I'm proud of you. You, know, you might yes. not have gotten first place, but I'm so proud of you for showing up and competing as best as you could today, um, or whatever you were, you know, whatever you would say in that situation. I always like to tell my daughter or point out times when she's brave, uh, and then I also like to tell her that she's smart and funny because she is, and she's beautiful. <clears throat> and so I just think there is kind of this language around how we speak to girls differently than boys and I I just I guess for me I don't want to raise a daughter who feels that all of her self-worth is wrapped up in her appearance uh, and so I hope that that continues to shift and, and people can be aware I've of learned I, you're giving me so many thoughts as you're saying all that stuff I've learned over the years um, once again just from watching other parents do really cool stuff I've learned to attach the word beautiful to a behavior. Yeah, instead of what an you, appearance. Yeah, what mm-hmm. you just did for that friend was just so beautiful. Yeah. And that was so kind and just really attached those superficial yeah, kind of characteristics. Beauty, beauty exists outside yeah. of someone's appearance. The other thing that you said that really piqued my interest there was I think we traditionally attribute certain traits to being kind of male role model traits Mm -hmm. and female role model Mm -hmm. traits you mentioned bravery and tough and strong and grit and i've kind of learned kind of from my own personal experience but also just from observation that the more 
those attributes can be modeled from the other gender. Yeah. It's so cool when a when a mom or a female role model can demonstrate and role model grit and strength and bravery mm-hmm. or the male role model whether it's a father or an uncle or a neighbor whatever can demonstrate you know gentleness and patience um so i think not only using those terminologies and talking to our kids um actually trying to to either role model ourselves and if it's too hard for us find somebody who kind of does do that and try to find a way for that person to be in your children's lives yeah do you so at EFR we have the student assistance program and we also have the employee assistance program and you work with both however your area of expertise mm-hmm. is our student assistance program so for the schools in the Des Moines metro area that have our SAP what are some of the tools and resources a parent could turn to if they're trying to communicate better with their sons and daughters if they're trying to um, just find a good way to model um, right you know healthy behaviors and and just be aware yeah I'm glad you asked that question because our our SAP our student assistance program is available to parents of those students that's a really important feature that parents can tap into our resource for their own personal growth for their own life challenges or their um, their improvement plan their self-improvement yeah. how can I be a better dad how can I better communicate I want to you know be more understanding of my children so I think I think that speaks volumes to wanting, a better life journey for our kids for mm-hmm. our, as they kind of work through their developmental stages to actually look at how we as adults can maybe do a better job of it ourselves. So our SAP is a great tool. It's a great resource, not only for students to use, but for parents to tap into and, and use those free sessions that are available. Do you find that most people use their benefits reactively versus proactively? So you know I would say unfortunately yes yeah I think that's just human nature we don't necessarily get in front of it but I do think it's something to consider Um, I want to be better at something and I'd like to be proactive it kind of goes back to what I said about the reset I just need to I just need to reset I wish I would have been better at communicating I wish I would have been a listener I wish I would have been better at in general and it's never too late just to to reset. Yeah. To learn those skills and, and kind of move forward. And it's okay. You you know, it's it's not going to happen all on your own. You're probably going to need help and resources, right? And so don't be afraid to just say, Hey, I need help with this. And I would venture too, in in, in addition to the adult, you know, seeking their own tools and improvement, if your if your child is old enough you know, and developmentally ready to hear that honest vulnerability yourself, you know, to say that mm-hmm. to your child. You know, I'm. this is something that I wish I would have done better, mm-hmm. and I really want to work at improving. And it's a great role modeling for kids, you know, as to know that I, I may come to the extent of my own self-advocacy and my own self-skills, and it, 
it's okay to tap into what's out there to help me. Yeah. I mean, it's a great lesson. What, just kind of thinking back to your time uh, working full-time in the school districts, when kids would return from summer break after a couple of months away, uh, would did you find there was a shift in kind of behavior or especially when you think about the kids you were coaching, um, when kids get out of a routine and maybe they're not around as many adult role models as they would normally be during a school year or a sports season, what, what changes would you notice in the kids developmentally or emotionally? I think the beginning of the school year is, is it's a good example of when there's going to be a shift or a change. And mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of excitement, yeah. you know, and, but you, you definitely find everyone kind of gravitates toward um, summer patterns of path of least resistance and everything could be a little bit more laid back and you roll into the structure of expectations or like you said the start of a sports season and here's mm-hmm. where we're going to this is when practice is going to be this is what you're expected to do and there's there's definitely an adjustment time and um, it's important for the leader the adult leader of that to kind of be aware of it and not iron fist Right. You know, it's going to be this way. And right. So give, I, I think give people th- grace, your yeah. kids included. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, there's, through all developmental stages, there's going to be, you know, the occasional one step back, two step forwards. Sure. And sometimes the beginning of a school year might be that step back. Yeah. So how can, you know, as, as we're en- ending a school year, or the school year has maybe ended, how can parents kind of prepare for the next few months where there might be less structure, uh, less adult role modeling going on, and kind of what would, what would some ideas be to uh, keep kids engaged with, um, not necessarily learning, but just engaged with um, their emotional development, you know, how, especially as we're coming up. I hope we're coming out of a pandemic. It feels that way. You just read my mind. <laughs> yeah, this... And this could be the first summer or the summer for them that feels a little more normal. Yes. Hopefully. I think it's going to... I think... I think it's going to be a shared experience by all of us. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a great opportunity. I, I think it's a great opportunity for parents and their children to just take a deep breath we're going to we're going to kind of get back to it's not an, our old normal but our new normal is going to be so much better but we're still going to have some boundaries we're still going to have some expectations um i think it's a, going to be a great opportunity for adults to be vulnerable and honest with with their students with their Mm -hmm. kids you know this is kind of new for me I'm going back to work now I'm nervous I'm kind of unsettled this is this is going to be a change in any chance that we have to be honest about our own you know uncertainties I think is a great role model for kids because then you're just demonstrating resiliency and grit stick to it kind of went all over the place. On yeah, that no, one, that's I? good. I I mean, I always think about <laughs> when, you know, kids are smart. They can pick up on changes in adult 
behavior and moods and so sometimes even my young daughter will say like mommy is everything okay and I'll say oh, I just had a really long day at work you know or maybe I just had a conversation with someone that didn't go well and and I'm always you know I try to be honest of course and only like share at the age appropriate right, yeah, level like yeah, I just had a long day at work do you ever do you ever get frustrated at school when you can't you know get your crayons to work the way you want them to do that's how I felt about my computer today and so I just feel like it's important to, you know, show them that yeah, there's a spectrum of emotions <laughs> and and we exist on that spectrum and, and it it shifts throughout the day. And so I think it's important, like you said, to for, for parents or caretakers of children who are kind of going through this end of school year transition and then over the next couple of months it's slightly different routine and then back into what will be probably a new another new routine because perhaps it's all now in-person learning or they've changed how they're learning um, to be flexible and like you said the expectations sometimes when we hold ourselves to really high expectations it can lead to frustration and disappointment and in some cases resentment so I think yeah I think all of that is really good for people who are you know in the lives of small children parents or not you know to keep in mind you know getting back to the SAP if if, if this um, families have our SAP. It's a great time to tap into that resource um, to use it because it's available all summer long yeah. too, and really use it as a reset. and And it might provide an opportunity, you know, it, when the student isn't busy with school, you know, eight hours a day and activities and stuff. Maybe the student could participate in some sessions yeah. themselves, virtually or in person. Um, whatever is more comfortable but summer provides that opportunity to kind of do a little self-check and for sure yeah yeah so if you're listening and you have our student assistance program please keep in mind that it is available to not only the student but the immediate family members of that student so those living in the household it does not end when the school year ends it is a continuous benefit you can access it all year long and like Steve said this might be the perfect opportunity to uh, look into that particular aspect of self-care and the resources available through your SAP. If you go to EFR's website, efr.org, we have a menu at the top, how we help, and they have, and then there is a drop-down to our student assistance program. Steve, thank you so much for sharing information about your own experience as a coach and as a dad, and also your role as a student uh, SAP student assistance program liaison for EFR and your role as a student counselor um, in the years prior to that. So thank you so much for your time and expertise, and I hope that some of our listeners connect with the SAP benefit in the near future. My pleasure. I look forward to our own communications off air. We'll just kind of keep this going ourselves. <laughs> That's well, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's great. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunleavy and produced by Emily Wonka.